listeners, and welcome to the Fear Response Podcast. Welcome back, should I say. Yes, to our second ever episode. Mm -hmm. So this time, uh, we decided to talk about one a little bit more recent, not the 70s anymore, 2010s? Uh, 2013. 2013. The Conjuring, a James Wan classic. Although it is set in the 70s. Yes, still, 1971 (laughs) is still the setting. And that's a good point. I should bring up a little bit of housekeeping. I believe in the last episode, I said that The Exorcist came out in 1971, where it actually came out in 1973. Yeah, you should be embarrassed. I am, and it's not something we take lightly. My horror card is under review. And until it's reinstated, I can't even tell people that, well, that was really more of a thriller than a horror movie anymore. You (laughs) you shouldn't really even be doing this podcast, legally speaking. Well, I am doing this podcast. Well, Well, I am doing this podcast, you old bastard. Yeah, try and stop me. You can't. The listeners can't. No one can. So we are excited to talk about this movie. I wanted to set the scene a bit because I don't know. Do you remember when we saw it together in the theaters? I remember seeing it in the theaters forgot that you were there well i was <laughs> as was a good friend of mine and do you remember this is the movie we went and saw and someone sat right next to my friend oh, yeah, and the yeah, whole time yeah. he was like oh, don't go in there <laughs> yeah it's like probably his first ever horror movie so he didn't realize he's like this doesn't make any sense why would you go in there and he just kind of was doing it through the whole movie my friend was a really good sport but i do it, remember that now it's all coming back to me This was one of the movies, though, that kind of, not that I was down on horror or anything, but it helped to kind of reinvigorate my expectations of horror movies and things like that. Because if we were to look at, like, the time between 2000 and 2013 certainly wouldn't have been my favorite era of horror. No way. And I also think that there's a time where you go from being a teenager who goes to see horror movies because it's kind or watches them at sleepovers because it's kind of a thing to do when you're young to being an adult who says, you know what? Actually, I am a horror movie person because it's very polarizing. Not that anyone says I'm only a comedy person or I'm only a drama person, but people do kind of fall on either side of the line where it comes to horror movies. And I'm a big horror movie person. Believe it or not. I think you're right because when you're a kid, like a teenager, for example, it's almost like a, Rite of passage. Yeah, and it's like a test your might thing. You're going through the experience or you put something on at a sleepover and the goal Mm -hmm. is to scare your friends and that sort of thing. But do you really like those movies? Do you you know know what the first ever like horror movie light that I watched at a sleepover was? Guess. Okay, wait. I'm thinking of all the movies. Did you really like it? Yes, and I still do. And I'll give you a hint. Big spooky vibes. Was it like uh, a Haunted Mansion type movie? No, but in the right atmospheric mood, you are. In the right atmospheric mood? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thank you, Yoda. I'm trying to think then. I swear I'm going to kick myself when you say what it is. I'm sure it wasn't the Dark Crystal. (laughs) Oh, no, that's scarier than this one. I hate that movie. It creeps me that. And I would also say that you and I might not actually call it a horror movie now, but it was Sleepy Hollow. Oh, I would consider that movie to be definitely in the genre oh it's in the genre but it's not like us scare your pants off it just puts you in the spooky halloween mood had a lot of style that movie yeah because it's tim burtony dripping in angst and pale faces and christopher walken yeah christopher walken with some spooky sharp teeth yeah like 
like super creepy teeth mm-hmm. and a bunch of people in some really too tight bodices. I think one person and her name is Chris- no Christina Ricci and the older lady. Yes, well researched we are. So we're talking about the Conjuring today, <laughs> not Sleepy Hollow. What I was saying about The Conjuring was it kind of took me by surprise because I had seen the commercials. I had seen the trailers and also knew it was a James Wan movie. I didn't have super high expectations, but what I wasn't expecting was it's kind of like a classic setup. It's almost like a throwback in terms of its structure. Style. Yeah, its style and, and what the scares are, what the premise is. Yeah, I really loved it. And it's probably partially because I didn't go in with the highest of expectations either. I actually feel like I went in with reasonably high expectations because the trailer was really good. Do you remember the one really good scare that was in the trailer? Which one did they have in the trailer? Because I can't the remember. The hand clap beside her head oh. when she's at, like at the top of the cellar. And I'm sure we'll spend time talking about that, but that's one of the scenes that's really stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> when it's like right beside her face, it's super scary. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean, when I look at this movie, I just think they really tapped into a lot of well-established horror tropes, but not in a way where I felt like it was too much recycled material. Mm-hmm. Although the things that are in The Conjuring, you know, we've seen quite a few times. I still found it a really enjoyable movie. So I'm excited to kind of talk about it for that reason. But I mean, things become tropes for a reason and they get used again and again for a reason. And I feel like it's... Tools of the trade, tools of horror, a bunch of them all applied. Nothing is breaking any new ground, but they're all applied well and to great effect. Exactly. And I think, interestingly, as we talk about some of the themes of this movie, I think a lot of them do run kind of parallel to The Exorcist, but they're still worlds apart. Like yes, they're They're so different from each other. And it'll be interesting to talk a bit about the difference between kind of vintage and modern one of the things that I know James Wan gets a lot of trouble mm-hmm. for is basically being like a jump scare artist. Which he is for sure. Definitely. And a lot of people might say that that is kind of a form of cheating. Is that the way that you look at jump scares? No. I think it is it is an aspect of horror movies. Not every movie uses them. Not every horror movie uses them. But a lot do. I don't think that it cheapens the movie unless it's the only thing going for it is a loud noise. That's true. I, I think there are probably ways to abuse it, but I don't oh, really consider a jump scare to be cheating either. But not by itself, no. One of the things I think about is like they build up a tense scene, let's say, where you know something might be coming and you're waiting, 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 and then all of a sudden it's there. Like if the main character opens up a medicine cabinet and they're zoomed in on her and she's looking through the medicine cabinet and then she closes it and there's someone there or closes the fridge or something like that. And I think that's actually kind of realistic because it almost builds in the feeling of someone's being chased or someone's being watched or something like that. That's really just makes you so anxious to see it play out, I think. Yeah, I'm pro jump scare, I would say. And as you said, this being kind of a similar in some ways to The Exorcist is that we've chosen two very heavily religiously themed uh, movies and both include an exorcism. Yeah, which was not really on purpose, but no, we do have <laughs> we do have a mind though to try to mix up the vintage stuff with yeah. the more modern stuff because A we're fans of both and B we know some people might be more familiar with one set of those movies than the other. So I think that this is a good leap to take 
And I, I think when we were talking about some of the modern movies we might talk about, we had the feeling that some of our favorites were also really heavy and kind of oh, a, yeah, kind of a slog or, or kind of a drain emotionally to watch as well as scary. Whereas this one is just lots of fun, basically. Yes, it is lots of fun. It's just kind of not quite mindless, but you can kind of turn your brain off and go along for the ride. Right. And you're you're not going to miss anything. Nothing's going to go over your head and you can just kind of enjoy it for what it is. One thing I will say about it, and I was just mentioning it to you, I, I would call it simplistic. And simplistic doesn't mean stupid, but simplistic just basically that it's a straightforward story. Like you said, they don't interrogate a whole bunch of deep themes. Mm. They don't spend much time doing that. And it is straightforward. The action really builds right up to the climax and... It takes place basically in in two settings, you know, so mm-hmm. there's really not too much to unpack, which can be fun, like you said, when you're kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Now, here's something I will say for The Conjuring. I really like The Conjuring. I do not like The Conjuring universe. I'm also not a very big fan of The Conjuring universe. Not everything although, needs to have a universe, folks. Although I haven't given it much of a chance. I, I don't think I've seen any of them, but I don't like them. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. I, d- I didn't see Annabelle. I didn't see Annabelle creation. I didn't see. I don't I'm think I'm not scared of a doll. I don't, I'm not scared of, I don't know, creepy dolls. Mm-hmm. I think I think that dolls get a bad rap <laughs> because sometimes people call them creepy, but really, you know, someone worked very hard on that little piece of china and someone thinks it's cute. Give it a break. Well, That's the way I feel about China dolls. <laughs> some of the people who make dolls and horror movies badly miss the mark. End up creating these things that are terrifying to look at, even before they get possessed or, or who knows what. Well, yeah, like the Annabelle that they present at the beginning of this movie. No one would have that doll. No, it's like people who made that doll with the... even I don't know if how long it was like dirty and all fucked up but then also like its eyes are just wide open it has no eyelids it's got this creepy smile and someone toils and works on this thing and is like kids are gonna love it put joy into the heart of a little child that's why I do on it. christmas yep but i think maybe dolls get used a lot because of that whole uncanny valley yeah. concept mm-hmm. right that they're very human looking but they're wrong Mm-hmm. They're not human in, in some very distinct ways, but our eyes register them as human up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that's part of it. That would be an interesting kind of theme to unpack that I've heard talked about a lot is, like, uncanniness and why why certain things give you the willies, even though, right. you know, maybe logically it doesn't make sense that they do. Do we want to do a little synopsis of this one? Yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen The Conjuring, we are going to go... We're talking about it. Hello? Yeah, we're going to go through some of the pivotal, integral scenes. Definitely be spoiling the ending, although we probably won't spend too much time on the ending because it's not the ending that's really impactful in this movie. But yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, Right now, it's available on Netflix, so you should be able to watch it. You know, if you have a Netflix That was a pleasant surprise for us. Often the horror movies we're trying to find, we feel like we can't find them on any platform. Yes. So, yeah, I think the setup of this movie is probably one of my favorite things. Like, it's... Meaning, like, the literal setting? The fact that it's 1971 and that it's a family in a house? Okay, well, we should speak about that. I love 1970... Ooh. Like, 1970-era movies. Me too. So, even when we were watching X... Right, yeah. which is a horror movie oh, man, in 2022 that we really loved. 
one of my favorite things was just everybody's style because they were in the 70s. Yeah, and okay, we got to talk about that movie one day because it was just great. Top to bottom, the characters were great. It yes. was it delivered on the scares and it was definitely stylish, cool. Loved it. Yeah, so like I love a 70s throwback and I love everyone's kind of style and the cars they drive and the music. So Okay, the I was going to say they're having that big the, the happy family. Song? Yeah, the big happy family move-in day mm-hmm. and one of your favorite songs oh, is playing. It is like the coolest song. I friggin' love that song. Can I sing it? No. You don't think we should? Probably not. I know we could run into some issues there. Time of the season. By the zombies. Yeah, that's what it's called. And it goes, it's the time of... And that's how it goes. Oh, it's so cool. I wish I could sing it. I know. And you guys would love it by saying it. I mean, the audience only wishes you could sing it too, but copyright infringement, we can't do it. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. We'll get demonetized, heaven forbid. Oh my god. All of our money. (laughs) And so, yeah, there's a... The, the family showing up, it's your classic, like, oh, it's a happy family. They're moving into this new house. The girl's running right under the movers who are trying to lift a couch. Yeah, she's like, just brat. hike the couch up higher so that I can run underneath it. And they're yeah. like, this bitch. Get it above your shoulders so your heart has to work harder. As you move this giant couch, I'll just run under you. They're going upstairs at that moment. She's like, yeah. lift it up. Yeah, so a, a bit of a reckless child, but... One thing about it, too, it, they're moving into this really beautiful, rather big. Gigantic. Right? The rooms are huge. The rooms are huge. That's one thing, because I was thinking, like, well, you know, I guess it's not outrageous because the girls do have to share rooms, mm-hmm. but they have five kids. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about that. It's just about the sheer size of the rooms and the hallways in that home. It's grand. And this specifically is a James Wan thing, is my understanding, because he kind of likes a certain kind of camera work and camera movement that requires a lot of space. So plot be damned, the the sets end up being enormous for that reason. And you can see it in a couple of his other movies, too, like in The Conjuring 2, which takes place in like supposedly little British flat. It's Mm -hmm. also enormous and also a poorish family. And then similarly in Malignant, also a ginormous home. Yes, I see that too. And I, I was thinking about Malignant just now. Um, and just that wistfully is, loving it. I love that movie. Me too. And the scenes in the attic mm. and everything. Or <laughs> when that lady has the confrontation with her boyfriend and they're just happen to be in an enormous room. Yeah, it's their, their bedroom is like the entire square footage of my house. Um, All the better for James Wan to kill you in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the setting being the 70s, family moving into a house, wholesome family, starting out super happy, classic horror setup, happy, perfect family. And the dog. And the dog, ripe for demonic invasion. Well, and yeah, the dog is a bit of a harbinger because Mm. she won't go in the house. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, look at the, you know, the wise animal new enough. And, you know, in your classic horror movies that I think this movie is building upon... The dog always dies first, unfortunately. Very sad. But I think one of the things about this movie, it didn't steal from anything to the point where I found it 
like offensive, offensive or, or tough to watch or anything, but I think it does kind of stand on the shoulder of giants quite a bit in terms of the horror movies that came before that set up this exact same premise, right? It's got major Amity vibes. Yep, for sure. And then I was thinking as it progressed to, I was really thinking of the Poltergeist, which is oh, another one of my that's favorite a movies. Good one. We keep talking about other movies (laughs) that we like a lot. Yeah, we really are trying to give The Conjuring its flowers, I promise. And you know what? Let's start with a little bit of that right now. Because two of our, like, so our main family has now been established, the Perrin family. And, I mean, they were shown a little bit at the beginning, but they don't interact with the Perrin family till later. But Ed and Lorraine Warren are kind of the hero and heroine of the story and Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga play them. And I love them both. I think that they're very charming and good actors. And he's from another really popular modern horror movie series, uh, 2A, Insidious? In Insidious. No, that is Ethan Hawke. That was Sinister. No, you're right. No, Insidious is Patrick Wilson. And he was also in The Watchmen. He's been in a lot of really yeah. cool stuff. And Vera Farmiga's sister is in American Horror Story. Oh. Her much younger sister, Tasia Farmiga. And Vera Farmiga is in The Orphan. She's the mom in The Orphan. Yes. Yeah. So they're oh, like horror, horror royalty think. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What, all other, what other movies that aren't The Conjuring do we really like? <laughs> Lots, as it turns out. <laughs> but that's not a slam on The Conjuring. There no, are lots we, of still, we still like it. There are lots of movies that aren't The Conjuring that we really hate. Yeah. We still like The Conjuring. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. Shut up. Get off our back. Audience, enough. Yeah, enough out of you. Like I said, we're getting to it. <laughs> Everyone seems to get along decently well. You know, they don't have any conflict in the kind of relationships or anything. Like, the movie doesn't waste any time with that sort of thing. Or with any real character development to speak of at all. Nope. Pretty much not. But, again, it's just kind of plays into this simplistic nature. Yep. And also established on the move-in day is somewhat of an important plot point is that this family likes to play hide and clap. Yes, yeah, a super creepy, scary type game. It's like Marco Polo, but without the pool and without the voice. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, well, a couple changes. So it was really reminding me of a game that we used to play as kids that in our neck of the woods we call grounder. Yeah, wonder if that might be a regional term. We're not sure. Yeah, we're not sure. So, so why don't you describe it? Yeah, so to play grounder, all you have to do is have some friends and be able to close your eyes. Yeah, big if. Oh, you got to have friends to and start. We would play it on, like, play equipment, like yeah, at a park. Yeah, with your eyes closed. <laughs> right. So the person who is it has to close their eyes, and they can move about and feel their way around. The point is you're trying to tag a friend, but the advantage you have as the blind person is that if you think someone's walking on the ground, you call grounder. And if they are, they're it. So that means they have to be suspended somewhere in the air. Mm -hmm. They have to be hanging. They They have have to be be... on the play equipment. Exactly. I guess that's why we played it on those And then when you, the seeker, are also on the play equipment, then that means people are like leaning way out into dead space (laughs) to try to get away from you and stuff like that. Probably a game that our parents hated us playing. Yeah, it's like, we're going to go close our eyes and climb on some play equipment way up high. They're like, well, just come home when the streetlights come on. Yeah. We have a mutual friend who also played Grounder because every kid did, but didn't realize until after we were well entrenched in a friendship with this person that they are a bad person. 
because of what they told us. So one time we were talking Disingenuous about... Disingenuous bad person. Who knows what we were talking about. But something, Ground, about, we were talking about something about closing your eyes. She's like, well, just close your eyes like you do when you're playing grounder. And we're like, what, firmly uh, yeah. shut? Yeah, closing your eyes because it's how you play the game. So you can't see? That's how you play grounder. But That's she, the rules. She outed herself for always like keeping just her eyes a slit open when she was playing grounder. Yeah, in her rule book, I guess being it for grounder means just squinting. Yeah, you have impaired vision, but you yeah. still have vision. So as dangerous and, and fun as grounder is i think hide and clap maybe a little worse like they're playing it in a two-story home right. in the hallways they've got a literal blindfold on the clapping is a cool kind of device that becomes really you know a, a scare tactic later oh very to great effect but i thought that that was one well-established kind of theme was the girls playing hide and clap all the time parents are like rolling their eyes as if they've seen them play it a, a thousand times and it kind of sets up some cool exploration yes. of the house too and while they are exploring through the house playing this game uh that's when the dad holds up one pizza box and says you guys gonna finish this it's expensive to feed you girls and he's apparently feeding his family of seven from one box of pizza. So yeah. those, that's a cheap date as far as I'm concerned. Right. And that's one of the few hints, I'd say, that the family, you know, not that they're necessarily impoverished, but that they they don't have a ton of money. Dad's no. a truck driver. Dad's a truck driver. But uh, looking back in 1971, I feel some envy because they've got little acreage waterfront property giant old farmhouse with with a bunch of free shit in the basement <laughs> on one person's salary okay that's a part we should talk about number one it's like uh you remember i don't know if you ever watched gray's anatomy did you i never did they basically complain through way too many seasons and i didn't watch much gray's anatomy but some people close to me were always watching it they complain mom. through way too many seasons yeah our mom one of them mm -hmm. that they're so poor and it's like You're they're surgical doctors. interns right and like sure they're an intern but sometimes it, it's difficult to establish i think a poor family unless you're really ready to commit to what that means yes you know in a story like this so yes they're poor but they have a friggin killer property oh boy do they it's a beautiful house haunted, awesome. haunted or not <laughs> sign me up yeah i mean in this economy people would be lining up to be haunted to have that you house. know what airbnb it oh yeah <laughs> make it into different apartments uh but then you have to clean it all the time yeah that's true but yeah waterfront property beautiful kind of trees and and all this stuff everywhere Yeah, like the beautiful tree the witch hung herself from exactly you it's can't, picturesque you can't buy that type of scenery usually no and they reference that the original property was 200 acres which is just immense right. but i don't know how much it's been pared down but it's still a huge property yes. so for them to say hey hey you guys need to finish up this pizza because it's it's really expensive to buy one box of pizza for my whole family and B, yes, this is our new house and this is where we live. It, it's just a little incongruent, I think. Mm, yes, I, I think so, too. I think that, I don't know, it's, it's just a narrative device that keeps them in the house for one thing. That's a good point. Because they're like, yeah, we can't just up and leave. No one's going to take us in. And it just, I think it helps to establish them, too, as like down-home people. Yeah, salt, salt to the, the earth. earth. Right? Indeed. Not some rich snobs who cares if they get Not haunted. some rich snob douche or something. No, they wouldn't. You're not going to catch this family varsity fencing. No. No, sir. 
and the girls accidentally like shoulder crash through the boarded up area, which is how they yeah. discover the cellar, right? Yeah. But it's a few things there. And they were playing hide and clap in there. Yeah, exactly. That's where the hide and clap took them. They accidentally knocked some boards down. The dad just pulls them all down and he's like, hey, look, this is great. You got a basement. And like, A, that w- wouldn't be me doing that. He was happy. He's like, oh my gosh, look at all this junk. Maybe we could sell, maybe some of it's an expensive antique. Yeah, I would be pleased with a, well, you know me, I like a neat house. So I wouldn't be pleased with a bunch of junk, but a bunch of junk that I've got no attachment to that I could maybe sell or repurpose. Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad to me. Yes, but would you be pleased to accidentally break into a creepy part of your home that you didn't know existed? Well, if it was just a cellar, if it was like a bomb shelter or something. But it was all boarded up. It was boarded up, but then they go down and it's just a basement. Okay. You would be a very early to die in one of these movies. In one of these. I'd be like, definitely. that's creepy. I don't want to go down there. Well, I yeah. Wait, no. I might be a final girl because maybe, am I maybe a bit uh, prudish? Oh, like, um, yeah, you can't get laid, so you're not going to get killed in a Friday the 13th movie. Is that Just unfuckable. Yeah. So as I said before, we're siblings. Um, <laughs> this is our podcast. Um, I take that back. I'm not, I'm not prudish, but I am naive, maybe. Jeez. Um, I don't know what I am. Yeah, you know, it's uh, the final girl. They need to be naive, maybe. I don't know the final the final girl is supposed to be like virginal but some of them are damn tough like some of them are just like yeah tough, like you're, really you're ripley like types. really like they can go to a certain place where other people won't go like the girl from you're next right and well others... but some of them are jamie lee curtis in halloween and they just scream and run away all yes. over the place and... others are like um these pure people that you don't want to see die and the movie yes that keeps them alive is. that's true and no shade to Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she is fabulous. And she certainly has come full circle in that film universe. In that universe, definitely. She's not uh, She's not wimpy anymore. No, isn't she like a doomsday prepper or something by the last one? Or I don't know. I have seen, uh, I, I think I've seen one or two of the movies, uh, the, the newest Halloween movies. And she was kind of a doomsday prepper, but doomsday was Michael coming back. Right. Like she we wasn't just... anticipating the apocalypse or no. anything. But yeah. she was anticipating him coming back, so she was all, like, armed to the teeth and had, like, this house that had, like, traps and, and secret places. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the cellar, another interesting part, right? Like, they're like, oh, you know, we got some extra square footage down here. Oh, would you look at this? Like, that's where their furnace is. Right. Because it goes out all the time. So it's like, what did he think? Where did he think the furnace was? He's like, ah, it's a tough one, this house. It's got no heat. Or it's like, it's heated, but we don't know where. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's heated by divine intervention of yeah, some kind. <laughs> we don't know. So that one, I was like, okay, is that a bit of a plot hole there? Like, I, Yeah, you know what? That's one I didn't notice, but that is true. Because they later reference that quite a bit. They talk oh, about yeah. how cold. Going down that, there all the time to uh, fix yeah, the furnace. Talk about how cold the house is, but it's because of demons, not because of Rhode Island weather. So we're now well introduced to the house. And we've been separately introduced to Ed and Lorraine by this point, I think. Well, they're in the first scene where they're talking to those nurses. Yes. And then they're talking to the nurses, but then that is a video that they're showing to their full house university, it seems, class. Which, what university has a demonology class? Maybe a Christian one. Do you think? Probably not. Probably not. And that's not the first time that they're teaching an entire lecture hall 
chock-a-block full of eager listeners. That's true. And I, I don't know, call bullshit on that. <laughs> I don't think so. I know. I Yeah, you're right. That's a bit of a, maybe a bit of a leap there. Like, everybody who comes across Ed and Lorraine in this movie, they accept them for what they are and what they do. And I think that, that maybe that's a bit of a stretch. Yes, I, I agree. But if Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson come up to me and tell me that they're anything, I'll agree. They, they both have just wholesome, likable faces. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I just thought the seller was a bit of a, a kind of confusing aspect, but, you know, quite a bit of the scary shit ends up taking place down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's some there's some good scares down there. Right. And so the scares really start ratcheting up with the is it the youngest daughter? The youngest daughter is the one who has the music box, which yes. is one of the scares. So one of the things that I don't really like about this movie is that I feel almost like they can't commit to just one scary thing. So they they have the little Victorian boy in the music box. Yeah. And they have the maid who tried to kill herself. And they have the mom who killed her baby. And they've got the witch. Like, they've got all yeah. these spectral characters. And Annabelle in the beginning. And, and the middle. And it's like, it's just more than is needed, in my opinion. I agree with that, actually. And I had thought that, too. It's like, well, the house is full of spirits, so you can have yeah. a Victorian boy. You could have, like, anything you want because people come in here and they either complete suicide or they kill somebody. So there could be a lot, a lot, a lot of spirits in here. So since you said that, why don't we talk from a little mental health lens about why we use uh, the word complete suicide rather than the really common vernacular that people might say uh, which would be commit suicide, but why we in the field would not use that term. Yeah. When you hear Jenna and I speak about suicide, which we wouldn't shy away from doing, you're a lot more likely to hear us use the word complete than commit. Or uh, another uh, phrasing that I use is die by suicide sometimes. Sure. Yeah. But the reason that us and a lot of people in our field, not all of them, would refrain from from using the term commit suicide is basically because it kind of it's pejorative it conveys yes. it conveys a, guilt a crime or yeah. a wrongdoing or a sin or whatever right the last thing that you want to do when someone has died at the end of typically at the end of a long period of suffering because it's no one's first instinct to attempt to kill themselves so after someone's died after a long period of suffering the last thing that you want to imply to their family is that they have committed a crime that they should feel any kind of shame around what their loved one did or anything like that, which historically very, very heavily laden with shame. It's not that we would judge somebody for saying committed suicide. And indeed, like I still work with people who would say that it's just a lot less likely to hear as time goes. So yes. So take that, you know, for what you will. So basically, yeah. There are lots of different spirits in the house, none worse than Bathsheba. So I think one of the things that's good about this movie, I think Bathsheba is a pretty good monster villain. Oh. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. And I would even like uh, lean more monster than villain because she's just got this scary, spooky face. She never says a word. She just, 
Well, I guess may, arguably she does when she's possessing. Yeah, it's kind of a mixture of like her body's talking, but it's clearly Bathsheba, right? But she just seems like a <laughs> like growling, snarling ghost. She's creepy as fuck. And oh, she's great. I think that the um, kind of monster design of Bathsheba is great. Number one, it's a great name. I can't believe anyone's really named yeah. that because like how creepy is that? What a creepy name. I could totally believe that was the name of some satanic of, witch. Of a witch. No problem. Yeah. So that stories like this talking about, you know, witches of a certain era. So say the 1700s or whatever. I have a bit of a problem with stories like this referencing them as if they were actually witches. <laughs> because what really happened in that era was a bunch of people got murdered by the state, essentially. Well, for and- being quote-unquote witches who weren't so when things look back and they're you know what i mean you point and you pointed out something that was pretty funny right is that from ed and lorraine's perspective right they're like and thank god for it yeah they're the, like the I'm government so glad. did some good work back then <laughs> exactly the, and yeah doing god now work. they just let these witches run rampant they don't kill them yeah he's like oh if i had a penny for every witch i wish i hung <laughs> i wish i had <laughs> or hanged. tried to make swim you know or I mean? yeah or crush under rocks but yeah i i thought that that was a good point that basically ed and lorraine are probably pretty conservative when it comes to assessing people as witches condemning them as evil and who knows what next yep this is a little bit of a throwback but there's one scene where ed and lorraine are at this random couple's house who we never see again, and they're kind of showing them how they don't have a haunting, the spooky noises are coming from their pipes and yes. the window, and the fact that Lorraine says, there's almost always a rational explanation, which is just, like, reflecting that she knows that she's irrational and her, you know what I mean? I think it's basically, like, they're they're trying to say, like, it's usually not, but sometimes it is. <laughs> but sometimes. <Right? laughs> sometimes it's a demon witch and and multiple ghosts who's trying to use the mother to kill the daughter yes which i don't think that because they've got so many other ghosts i don't think that they unpacked that idea quite as much as they could have because if they had just stuck to it was just bathsheba and this was her whole shtick was just like trying to kill kids using the mom as a conduit that would have been cool if that was the through line through the whole thing like the woman in black Yes, but anyway, I don't. I wish that they would have unpacked that a, a bit more. Yeah, I guess they didn't speak too much to her motivation. Yeah, but they did say she cursed anyone who might try to take her land. So I think that's like the entry of her haunting into the family's life, basically. Yeah, the hide and clap comes up again when the yeah, mom but- is home alone with the youngest. But what happens in between? Is there anything of value in between? I can't remember. When does the music box come in? Bef- before. Is that because, one of the first things? Yeah, the youngest has the music box. Yeah, so the, again, very well-established kind of classic trope of the youngest kid in the family has some connection with a spirit. And it's basically like an, it's imaginary an imaginary friend. friend. Right? Exactly. So has her mom try to look in the mirror and and see this boy Rory, who is, again, like we said, they just kind of say, well, it would probably be scary to have a a Victorian-style dressed little porcelain-faced boy. And actually, I don't even think she does see him in the mirror. It's just the little girl jumps out at her, and she's like, And then, yes, yes, yes. Right? 
And but it is a tense scene. Like you're watching that like dirty mirror spinning around. <laughs> and we've said that what which for some reason it seems to like the spinning makes it like change angle. I feel like. Yeah, maybe it's not perfectly flat. Maybe, I, I feel like this. That's an example of the maybe James Wan thing, and definitely this movie thing of the sound mixing being quiet, 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 bang. Right. Like I found trying to watch it with a small child in the house who was trying to take a nap extremely difficult because I was like, oh, perfect timing. I will watch this movie so that I can talk about it intelligently. But then I had to turn it up to hear the words and I had to turn it down when anything spooky happened. Yeah, for sure. But then- Which we talked before about jump scares and I, me saying that they're not. I'm OK with jump scares, but I do find just the strict use of volume to be a, a little bit cheap. Yeah, I see what you mean. And I think probably there are plenty of movies that do that. But it does seem like this is one of those movies like where I'm turning it way up to hear what everyone's saying. And then, and then when it's the action breaking kicks, your walls down. Yeah, when the action kicks up, I have to kind of turn it down. So it's like jolting your senses to kind yeah, of evoke a scare. Yeah, it's a sensory reaction, not like uh, it's put me, uh, made me uneasy in a psychological way or an intellectual way. It's just like, I don't know, my lizard brain going, ah! <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Big noise. You do your startle reflex like an yeah. infant baby. And then, yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure if it's before, or it must be after the music box scene, but the scene where she's playing, she agrees to play hide and clack with the youngest daughter and they're home alone. That's Who, kind of a creepy scene. Whose name is like uh, Biddle, Biddlebop or something. I can't remember the kids' names. Mm, well, you, uh, you have a better memory than mine because I thought it was something normal. So, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, they're walking through the hallway and and they're doing the hide and clap thing, which becomes a bit of a reoccurring thing for the demon or the the spirits, I guess, to mess with them. Mm -hmm. But when she gets into the one room and there's that wardrobe that creeps open and the arms come out and like slowly do the clap like that creep me out for sure. No, I think... do you see them at that point? Okay, I was like, or do you just hear them? They like extend they come out through be- the clothes. Between the clothes. And then they're like, give like a kind of embellished kind of clap. And, and, and she goes right up to the wardrobe. And touches all up in it. And she's like, where the hell is this kid? Yeah, April- she, she's like, you weren't even close. Yeah, yeah. she comes running in. She's like, hey, mom, no, you didn't see me. I was in the other room. You weren't even close. I was <laughs> and like, and talks a blue streak at her. Yeah, exactly. So, and that was a pretty creepy scene. Happens right in the daylight, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I wish that they had maybe just stuck in terms of scary stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish that they had just stuck to Bathsheba by herself. Mm. And maybe, and then the, these disembodied arms, creepy little thing going around. Instead of going over the top with the different spirits that are in there. Yes. Yeah. I might agree with that. I, I was getting mixed up for where this scene was, but where uh, all the all the pictures are crashing off the wall mm-hmm. when the mom's trying to check on the kids at night. And another part of the scariness too is the fact that dad is John. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking that the last time I was watching it, like the the mom being because she goes downstairs to investigate, and I'd be thinking like I wouldn't be fucking going down there, but you would if you were the only adult in a house full of your children. You mm. would because you would feel like you have to. It's the thing about some of these people in the scary movies. Like she, all the pictures come crashing down off the wall. And she goes, and downstairs. She goes downstairs. 
And then she goes into the cellar and she's sure someone's down there. And she's like, whoever's down here. She says, I'm, I'm going to lock, lock you in. in. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I think I would just get the kids to get out of there. But I don't know. Or just lock it. Not like, yeah. I'm going to. Now give them the warning first. Now, I, I have a... I have a story I probably told you um, when I was in university and I was sure that there was someone in my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When my friend and I, my roommate and I were like cooking in the kitchen and I went to go. There was a, a door between the main floor and the basement. And I swore that I heard something touch the back side of the door. And I was 100 percent sure that I had heard it. And so I was like, oh, my God, I think that there's someone in the house. And my, my roommate and I were about to leave and, like, go to our neighbor's house, like, fully walk out the front door. And then we said, no, the oven's on. And so we went back into the house. Oh, my God. Instead of turning off the oven, I grabbed a knife. I was going to say, did you grab a weapon? I grabbed a knife and went down the stairs yelling knife in a deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> I went, Knife. <laughs> And like and like thrust it into like closets. <laughs> Jesus Christ! In the basement. But it's like, yeah, okay. There was no one in there. I've heard. What you think? I've heard. From... Or they, they were like dodging, like <laughs> sucking their bellies in as I'm stabbing into the dark. I've heard from many people stories like that where they thought someone was there. They grabbed a knife. Like our aunt did the same thing to our cousin almost. Oh what? Yeah, like. He was coming home unexpectedly late at night and she had people like, you know, her daughter and and some of her friends sleeping there. And so she thought someone was trying to break in and she like crept into the kitchen and grabbed the knife. But I'm like, I understand why people are doing that, why they're grabbing the knife. But it's like, can you imagine what would happen if you felt like you had to use it? Like, are you going to try to stab? Well, you, you are. know what? Can I you tell tried to stab somebody in a closet without any you didn't warn them like this lady did. Can I tell? I did. I was yelling knife. What are they supposed to do with that information? Like, oh, say, like, no, I'm here. I don't want this. I don't want the knife. I don't want to get stabbed. <laughs> don't knife me. <laughs> Can I tell you what would happen if I had brandished a knife at anyone? I would be stabbed. <laughs> they would get it from me and I would be stabbed. You need to, like, tape it to your hand. Oh, I just better I not have it. Yeah, better you go fist to fist. Like, better you just try to beat them. I think better, I, I don't know, I flop like a, I don't know. <laughs> like, did you have a gas oven or something? No, we don't want to leave the house with the oven on. Okay, well, I mean, could you imagine if someone had been hiding in your closet? Oh, yeah. And you would have stabbed them. Uh, yeah. I've known a few people who have accidentally gone into the wrong house and, like, slept there. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, yeah, thank God no one stabbed them with a knife. But you could, I mean, obviously, they would have really scared that family, probably, whoever's house they were in. Oh, oh, yeah. And right. so, and if someone was in my house, I'd be like, oh, yeah. gosh. It's that, it's that home invasion thing where even like, you know, when people have had break ins to their houses and no one was there when they got home, but they can see that things have been disarranged and then they don't feel safe in their house after that. For sure. It feels like a violation or whatever. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's just bad on all sides. I don't think I've ever had that happen. Or had someone in your home? Oh, I've had people in my home. But, like but not, not without in. my permission. Okay. Like, oh, so vampires. Yeah, I, they have to be invited in. Um. So, yeah. Is it Carolyn? Is that the name of this one? Yes, it is. Carolyn basically says, hey, whoever's down here, I'm locking you in. Runs to the top of the stairs and has, like, 
a wicked fall. Well, yeah. Well, and a wicked fall started by being slammed in the face with a the door, right? The door, and then falls down the stairs. Like it's a bad fall. And like at one point, soon after that, the Warrens are like, "Listen, we're like, we're lucky this spirit hasn't gotten violent with anybody." I'm like, uh, "The mom should be dead." Yeah, like, the, she, you didn't see the fall down the stairs. The mom, to what I assume is probably like a stone cellar or something, or dirt or something. But she was like ass over tea kettle, flat on the ground, down like a steep set of yeah. wooden stairs. Like, come on, the mom gets it real bad in this movie. Yeah, and, true. And it's at that same time that. So mom is stuck in the basement. All I'm sure her head is spinning, probably concussed. <laughs> right. And uh, and upstairs, Bathsheba the witch jumps onto the daughters. Well, before then, we get one of my favorite scares. You remember they have some matches on the stairs. And so she's locked yeah. in the cellar, right? And she lights the match and then right beside her head. Oh, yeah. There's the clap. That's after, <laughs> that's after she falls. Yeah, she comes yes, back she comes to the back top up. of the steps. That scared the shit that is out of the, me. That is one it. of the best scares in the whole movie. I thought it was great. And they put it in the trailer. Yeah, maybe that was a bit of a waste. That what? Well, yeah, yes and no. It was because it was such a good scare. But also, I feel like despite it being in the trailer, it was still scary in the movie. But it oh, could have been maybe even better without it. It just visually, it's so good. Oh, it's great. And like, of course, just having the match means only like a little orb is lit. The hands come into the light and like from and you the don't dark, know what's it's behind so them. fucking scary. And the hands look, obviously it is kind of a game, but they look playful the way they clap. Totally. They go, choo, choo. Yeah, I, oh, that scared the shit out of me. And then I think it's just like a, a black, like a hard cut and you just hear her screaming, right? And then, and then I think pounding against the door. Yes, yes. And it kind of zooms out like yes. away from her. It's so cool. And that's when upstairs, um, the fast sheep jumps on the girls. That's when it builds to, yeah, that's one, that's. I think the best scare in the whole movie. Her on that cabinet is so fucking scary. Crouching body and like creepy gnarled features. And then she leaps. Yeah. It's like an animal. Yeah. It's like a raccoon. Well, and what did you think about the like monster design of Bathsheba? Oh, pretty scary. For Me sure. too. Doesn't look like, you know, a human woman. Looks like something a little bit off for sure. Yeah, and even, like, if you look at a still or you look at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, like, basically, she's just almost got, like, zombie makeup type mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. She's gray. And, and she's got, like, a bloody mouth. Yeah, exactly. She's got, like, sharp nails. But it's just something about the way that they frame it, and you're not expecting anything to be, like, crouched animal-like on yeah. top of that dresser. Yeah, like, armor. physically present. Oh, it was so creepy. Like, that was a really good scare. Like, I felt uncomfortable yeah. sitting through that. yeah. And then something that, uh, like, poor Roger in this movie then is just getting home from his long-haul trucking and he hears blood-curdling screams coming from his house and his wife is locked in the basement and his children are screaming and writhing on the floor. And I think he literally says, what the hell is going on? Yeah, no kidding. His, his, wife, his wife locked herself, you know, to his mind in yeah. the cellar. And he's like, you dumb idiot. <laughs> and the kids are all upstairs screaming. Yeah, I, I think the, those two scenes are so good. I really like they're they're my most memorable scenes from this whole movie, I think. Yes, because I actually find at the end, at the climax, it gets um, sometimes a little bit too much is going on. Yeah, and, and it's a lot quicker than we might remember, too. Like, yeah. it's, uh, there's a few little scenes to kind of resolve mm -hmm. what's going on. But um, I think following that, then we get into like what I think is borrowing heavily 
from movies like the poltergeist um mm-hmm. when like they have some of the research type people come and support the warrens and they kind of stay over at yeah. the house at night they have all the tech going to try to find out what's going on i love that because it it kind of plays into two of my favorite like subcategories of movies can you remember what they are well it's not really a buddy movie it is somewhat forced into a team situation okay so that would be the warrens and the parents yeah and whoever's helping yeah them. and the helpers and it's trapped in a place and it's trapped in a place those are two of my favorites two of your favorite tropes. and they they coincide there yeah true only problem is it doesn't include jackie chan doesn't beat the shit out of the spirit yeah can't can't win them all no he probably wasn't available at the time he was probably he was he was in the midst of a jackie chan died hoax I remember when we were playing the game the other night and uh, our friend asked us, is Jackie Chan a stand-up comedian? We said, no. No, he's all he's all physical comedy. Yeah, you know, beating the shit out of people. He's like, can I have a volunteer? <laughs> he could probably do like a Carrot Top style set. Yeah, he doesn't have the hair for it. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, we love Jackie Chan. We That's love Jackie Chan. A, it it list, it, I, it's not a Venn diagram with our love of horror movies because he's never in any. Oh, sadly. <laughs> I assume he's listening. We love you, Jackie. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Jackie Chan. Yeah. We're one of his few fans. Yeah, so I, I think like, and I don't, again, I'm not trying to say it in a negative way. I just think, okay, this is reminding me of the poltergeist. And I love oh, the yeah, poltergeist. Oh, we love the poltergeist. Right? So I don't think like, oh, well, that's stolen. I'm just, I just thought like, oh, that's a really familiar trope to me that I think also makes sense that it would take that trajectory. To this, me. this movie stands on the shoulders of giants. Exactly. That's where it gets all of its best stuff. But I think that's okay because it's like supported by a, like a good cast. It's acted well and it looks great. So I don't mind that it borrows from a bunch of other movies because I kind of feel like it brings you know, cool stuff to the attention of people who maybe haven't seen all those other movies. You know, this movie came out in 2013. So people who didn't haven't seen Poltergeist or The Exorcist or whatever, they get introduced to these things that they like and maybe they seek out other stuff like it. That's a good point. So I look at it as, uh, you know, a fan of some of the older horror movies that I grew up watching. And maybe some people are going to kind of retrofit that by getting into the conjuring our movies like it first and Mm. then finding out some of the things that came before, which is great. And I think one of the things that I love about a movie set in the 60s or a movie set in the 70s or something is I'm always kind of charmed by a throwback. And this is also a throwback of a lot of things that have come before in horror movies. So obviously Mm. I'm going to really love that too, right? Yeah, so I just like it's familiar it feels comfortable. Uh, I really like kind of the tropes that have are like time honored and, and time tested and, you know, they work. Yeah. But I don't think it's till after that scene. I think it's after that, that Carolyn goes and attends one of the um, prestigious lectures by the demonologist. Is that the tipping point I, where she, I she sees so. out the warrants? And, uh, and then they come, come into the house and Ed and Lorraine are just like presented as, they're just so, they're do-gooders. Yeah. And they're so pleasant. They're so likable. They're so kind. Yeah, exactly. And they're there to help. And they're yeah. very, very uh, giving of themselves, including Ed basically says like, well, Lorraine's dying. It almost dying. kills her. Yeah, she's dying, she's dying a little bit more every time. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the doctor the said it's a terminal case of, I don't know, spirit, spirit problems. Spirititis. Spirititis. Yeah, you're right. 
I mean, outside of the the demons that are haunting and trying to kill the family, there really isn't much conflict in this movie. No, just a little bit of conflict. And so then they Ed and Lorraine come into the house and they meet the girls. Oh, oh, and that's when the dad comes out with the nugget of saying that they have trouble sleeping because there's knocking in the night. And it's like this. Ah, yes. Always like that. And what what does that obviously represent? Well, obviously, the only reason that someone or something would do that would be to mock the Trinity. Yeah, I mock the Trinity when I go over to someone's house. Ah, but not the postman. No, he just gets me mail. The po- no, the postman <laughs> always knocks twice. Oh, do they? Don't you know that? No. It's a movie. Oh. It's called The Postman Knocks Twice? Yeah. What's it about? I don't know about Postman. Okay. <laughs> I honestly haven't seen it. I'm like, no, The Postman just brings me away. It doesn't knock ever. <laughs> it doesn't knock once. You just put stuff in there. But yeah, they say, oh, that's, you know, of course they're going to do that because that's a, that's a disrespect to the Holy Trinity. And I almost felt like it was a little swindlery because everything they said. They're like, oh, yep, yep, that, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly, exactly. They're like, oh, yeah, and the, the clock's always, and, and it's like, stop. I bet the clock stopped. Do they stop? That's a demon. For yeah, sure. and they're like, stink. He's like, demonic activity. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, like, oh, no. That's a demonic stench. Don't tell me there's a stench in this house. And, like, I mean, it is the classics, like the cold temperature the bad smell and stuff like those are some of the things that I associate with, you know, ghost hunter type people. Or oh things gosh, like that. Go- ghost hunters hang their hats on temperature. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> temperature shifts. They're like, we didn't see a ghost, but we'll look at what the infrared cameras picked up. Yeah, and it's like, oh, a drop. They picked up a draft. I mean, a ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I just like, Although they're there, well, that's the thing. And that's the thing we could talk about with this movie. Like, coming from The Exorcist to this one, they, like, hint at skepticism. But this Hmm. movie wastes absolutely no time with any skepticism. Absolutely not. Like, as evidenced by the scene that we were talking about earlier, when they're talking about Bathsheba's history and the land, and, and they're like, well, she was a legitimate witch, an actual witch. Right. Uh, who killed her son because she wanted to say, I love you, Satan. And she, yeah, jumped to her self-inflicted death and proclaiming her love to Satan. Yeah, exactly. As a real legitimate witch who has possessed people since then. Like, and they're like, no doubt in our minds that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. And like, at one point when they're giving their lecture, they're like, well, people call us kooks, but that's it. <laughs> There, and like you've pointed out, there's a room of like 50 people there to watch a lecture from them at yeah. some university to learn. So they're right, like, yeah. okay, here we go. Like this movie doesn't waste any time saying, what if there was a scientific or, or logical explanation for any of this stuff, except when they go to that one family's home and they're like, yeah, you have knocky pipes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're now at the house. The team is at the house and they start setting stuff up. And there's a little bit of a flirtation between the oldest doctor, doc, daughter, between the oldest daughter and Drew. And at one point, they really try to bring us back, remind us what time we're in. And he's showing her some kind of camera doodad, and she says, groovy. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's like that and the hairstyles and all the brown pants and things like that. It's yeah. like, that's 70s. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then 
the first night, it's funny because nothing happens, right? And even the clocks don't stop. Uh, one of the nights that happened. That- right? Yes, that's right, because one of the nights, Brian, the cop, is like, I believe the clock, because it just keeps ticking. Yeah, exactly. And, but when Lorraine is introduced to all the people, she does say, like, afterwards, she says that when she, during those introductions, she's like, oh, and the demon was latched to your back, and it was draining you guys, and this and that. Right. I forgot about that. Um, And it's interesting, it's an interesting angle that they have, it's like, the the spirit is not in the house it's in you guys now so like you yes can, so you, you can you leave can move and it wouldn't help but it won't matter and i thought that like that could be kind of perceived in a an interesting way for the the sake of like trying to unpack anything mental health related right like that it's like it's not situational it's it's to do with the people who are living it right um but other than that, I, I I don't think really the movie presents any themes like that. They're just like, oh, no, 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 this woman's perfectly fine. She just happens to be possessed Absolutely. by a spirit. No, it's a straight ahead. Ghost demons are real. They fuck with people. And the people, the people who believe that and hunt them down are noble heroes. Yeah, they're, again, back to the superheroes, yeah. basically. Yeah. Like, if Father Karras were in this movie, he'd be a, an outcast loser in this group. Yeah, be like a non-believer. Yeah, exactly. They're like, like, he's the coop. Great, we got one of these closed-minded psychologists. Do you know what? Do you know what other movie like really uses that theme to great effect? Was also Paranormal Activity. Was that they say that it's haunting Katie? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. eh? I can barely remember that movie, but I remember really liked it. We should talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, we should. I'm sure we will. It was good, and it was like incredibly profitable because they spent next to nothing making it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, back to this movie, The Conjuring. Oh, one of the things that happens, um, Lorraine and Carolyn bond over that super. Oh my god, that stupid picture (laughs) that looks like. It's like from the perspective of an, it's like from the eye view of an ant. Yeah, like, they, they put it on the ground. And it's like looking right into like a blue sky with no scenery in it. It's like the most chopped together family photo you've ever seen. It looks like it. It looks like it's superimposed on like a pastel painting. Or, or superimposed on like a Microsoft Windows background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like that's a super terrible picture. And, and Lorraine goes like, oh, the beach. Yeah, like, how could she tell? You can't see the sand. Well, and Carolyn's like, how do you know? And she's like, my magic powers. Oh, okay, so she's She's like, because of my clairvoyance? Hello. Well, I mean, they're all dressed in in Florida-type clothing, and it's a beautiful blue sky. It's like, yeah, the beach isn't a big stretch for, like, a little family trip either, so. But yeah, I thought that was really funny, and that stupid fucking picture comes back multiple times throughout the movie. It's one of the things that saves the day. So, yeah, I thought that that was a terrible problem. Oh, yeah, very bad. Any kind of family, unless a movie has great attention to detail, the, like, family photos are always bad because it's, like, they're only ever the exact ages that they are. Yeah. They look the same. Or, like, the same you outfits. can tell you're, like, these pictures weren't taken with people even in the same room. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or they'll, like, throw anything away as, like, a framed picture. Like, if the kid has a framed picture of their dad, like, it could be, like, the actor's headshot. Like, some of the pictures yeah, make like, no sense. Oh, on my bedside table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that was a particularly bad picture, I thought. And then the first thing that the team really gets to witness is that um, when the girl starts sleepwalking again. Yeah. And that's when all the 
temperature drop cameras oh, are going off. Oh, yes, that, that's a cool scene. Cool. It is cool because it kind of pans around following her yeah. up the steps, right? Yeah. And they don't go with her either. No, they... They intentionally stay out yes, of the frame, basically. because the dad's like, oh, I'll go get her. She's setting off the cameras. And then they're like, no, they're going off before her. And there's something like right behind her, basically. Yeah. Right? And then... And then they go upstairs, and and they, um, that's when they find the false back in the wardrobe. And that's when with the UV light. Oh my gosh! And then that's when Lorraine goes in, and she sees that that somehow that's where the music box had been. Yeah, there was like a hexagon missing yes. in the dust, right? So like, I guess Bathsheba had placed it to like help them, or something. Or Rory did. Or, yeah, one of the goodies. You know? And then she has. A fall that would absolutely break her legs at the very least. Yeah, she, she falls for like a full thirty seconds. It feels like she's like ah. She falls. She falls through three stories, straight breaking, straight down. Yeah, and then like just comes out in a pile of dust, yeah. in like a fireplace. But imagine that because you're falling straight down onto your feet. Yeah, like and no ability to like. Uh, to spread it across any surface area and fall or like roll after you would 100% break your legs. And that's from a nurse. That's from yeah. a nurse. You take it to the bank. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a really crazy scene too. And I've seen that in other James Wan movies too, because in Malignant, which we love. Yes. Um, remember when the lady just falls right through the floor? But she at least she gets hospitalized after. She doesn't just keep going. Right, but it's like, oh man, that was like a jarring thing to witness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, is is this and is this the part then that has the feet? Or is that later? Yeah, yeah. yeah so oh, she, she that's comes, a good scare. She comes to under a table kind of. She sees the lady crying over her dead child. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we see, like, we hear the creepy rope sound, the mm -hmm. tightening. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, like, the legs, like, turn towards her. That is, oh, really that is, that is one of the best scares in the movie also. Because the freaking, uh, her husband is still, like, pounding on the wall. Like, on the main floor. Right? Yeah. And she's gone right to the basement. Yeah, that is a really good scare, even though, like, it's pretty effective scare and there's not much to it. No, right? but it, it's the... Yeah, uh, I think it's like that it, it's not just she's witnessing something supernatural. It's the supernatural thing is aware of her. So it like turns when it turns to face her. That's true. Yeah. Or that lady's straight up talking to her, too. Yeah, that's right? but but the those seem to be victims and not scary. Bathsheba true. is the scary one who's trying to get you. That's true. You're right. But yeah, that was a super good scene, too. Like it really kicks off. Once you reach a certain point. Right. As soon as the mom gets locked in the cellar, it's like off to the races. And so then Lorraine comes out of the basement and they figure some stuff out. And then don't think it's long after that they have the really fun pancake breakfast and everyone's in a good mood. Right. And then Lorraine is helping outside. I guess they just moved in and are doing house. Yeah. She's helping outside and she's doing the, which is, this is another good scare too. When she's doing the laundry and the sheet goes and hits on the form of Bathsheba. Body. Yeah. And, and then it flies up to the window. And then it flies up to the window, and that's where Carolyn's been taking a nap. Yeah. Oh, and yes, and at that point, the girls are out of the house and stuff. And then that's when she gets possessed for real. What happens there? She gets like, uh, does Bathsheba like cough something into her mouth? Um. Yeah, I think she goes like, Bleh. Yeah, and some disgusting like thing goes in Carolyn. And I'm going to look something up because there's a part where... Um, Ed and Lorraine, when they're doing their lectures series, mm -hmm. are describing the stages of possession. 
The three stages of demonic activity, infestation, oppression, possession. So, well, the oppression part, they say, is like wearing the person down. Fucking with the family. Yeah, and then, and then like weakening them. And then possession is when they finally are become possessed. But that's kind of what I spoke about in the first episode where I described that there's um, something called a prodromal phase of an illness before the um, symptoms kind of manifest in earnest. There's kind of a, um, yeah, like a pre-illness stage where um, you start you start to experience changes and you start to become ill, but it's not well-defined and you're not acting quite yourself. And then the severe illness kind of manifests itself and you can see it. Okay. So, so the fact that they, you know, when talking about um, demonic possession and the fact that they even recognize these so-called stages could kind of reflect that it's always explainable in another way. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So she's at now. So obviously she's been been so-called like oppressed in the oppression stage. She's been getting bruises. She's not been getting good sleep. She's been, you know, tired. That's why she needs to go take the nap. True. And now she's finally ready to be possessed. Yeah, and then like soon after that. So she creeps me out. Carolyn? Yeah. yeah. And after she's possessed, she has like a certain look about her that is it just looks kind of creepy. Like she's She's vacant. I think she's playing it in a pretty good way. Definitely. The when actress. she acts so weird when she comes cuz Lorraine oh, sees yeah. that sheet thing happens right. and runs up and she acts so weird. Like I don't know. She doesn't make eye contact with Lorraine because she's like, are you okay? Or did something happen? She's like, no, no, no. I just got, got nauseous. I, I hear Roger and the girls and no one else. Yeah. And she just leaves. But the, like no one else and no one else can hear Roger. She's and the like, girls oh, yet. Mama, mom of the year. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, okay. And then it just kind of, it pops off from there. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. we have the scenes, like the cops seeing the dead creepy maid. We have, the well it's pretty soon after that that the family tries to take refuge in a hotel right yes but carolyn i think she goes with them but what happens is she takes the two of the girls and drives them back to the house like in the middle of the night and they call to say oh you know she went back to the house and that's when they go there and she's actively trying to kill her daughter and that's one of the things, like, Lorraine comes to this big realization, right? Yeah, she says, Pos- possess the mother to kill the child. Yes, exactly. So she, apparently that's what Bathsheba's been doing all this time. And I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, trope from a mental health standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so what a lot of people might not know is is things like intrusive thoughts, even, yeah. that a mother or a parent might have about um, harming their kid are super common. Yeah, I think that um, one way that I've described it to patients before and and to other people as well that I think is really important to know is that it is normal to have intrusive thoughts. Everyone does. What can kind of define whether you might be struggling with a mental illness or not is how you respond to them. Because um, someone who's, you know, really mentally healthy at a given time if they get a thought, like, for example, they're standing on a balcony and they think, mm-hmm. what would it be like if I jumped off? They go, oh, you know, that was a weird thought. And it's out of their head. But someone, for example, with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, yes, which is a disorder that is kind of defined by intrusive thoughts 
um, or obsessions and then the response to them. So someone with obsessive compulsive disorder might have a recurring kind of intrusive thought or obsession that my family is going to be hurt, for example. And then they develop a compulsion to help alleviate the uh, the thought. So it might be like I I could come up with an example of being worried that you're going to hurt people when you're driving. So maybe you drive by someone's house and the intrusive thought comes into your head that maybe I actually hit a person when mm. I when I drove down that street. Right. And then you, the compulsion you might uh, develop to that would be driving around the block three times every time to be sure that you don't to hit someone. To make sure there's no one who's, who's yeah. been hit by a car, right? Or being worried that you're going to make someone sick and so you develop compulsive hand washing or whatever it might be. And then it can get even more irrational than that, right? Like if I step yeah. on a crack, I'm going to harm somebody. Or if I yeah. don't flick this switch three times, something bad's going to happen. Not necessarily that I, I think I forgot that switch, but I need to do this switch this number of times, right? Mm -hmm. I feel the compulsion too that some people can get, um, they can develop a pattern of thinking where, they're preventing bad things from happening by engaging in their safety yeah. behavior or their compulsion, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I've worked with people who had these intrusive thoughts and were very frightened by them and thought that, you know, having those thoughts meant that they wanted those things to happen, yeah. right? Whereas, and then, you know, maybe later they got an, an OCD diagnosis and we can kind of externalize it and say, this is a thought popping into your head that is distressing to you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you want this to happen. And, and like you said, helping people to understand that everybody has intrusive thoughts. Mm -hmm. But I saw a stat recently that said that like up to 44% of, of new moms have had thoughts about intentionally harming their baby. And it doesn't mean that they want their baby to get hurt. It doesn't mean that they're going to act on those, but the thought pops in their head. And I think a lot of times it's our body being like, oh my God, what if this happens? Yeah, it, you're, it's your, in, in my, uh, my opinion, the way that I kind of conceive of it is it's your brain testing the limits of, right. you know, of what could happen, po what is possible, what would be the worst case scenario, whatever. Uh, it, it's your brain kind of testing things out. Um, well, and I yeah. think as parents too, you're likely to think like, what if I'm really bad at this? Mm -hmm. And so your brain is throwing out this idea of like, what's, like you said, the worst case scenario, what's the absolute worst thing that could happen? And, you know, that would certainly be one of them. Mm -hmm. But I think with having this spirit who possesses the mother to kill the child, that taps into a really primal thing that puts us on edge oh yeah that is the worst thing most people could imagine is exactly and it i mean arguably it should be the idea of a parent killing their child infanticide yeah or... but often even more so the mom killing their own child is, is something that people can't wrap their heads it around. seems like culturally counterintuitive yeah right? yes and um so po postpartum depression is a term that a lot of people are very familiar with but there is also um, postpartum psychosis is something that can happen and it doesn't happen very often, um, but it also occurs during the postpartum period. But rather than like a, an episode of depression, it would be an episode of um, psychosis. And psychosis is um, a collection of symptoms that describes being disconnected from reality. So very, very, very scary experience um, for anyone 
and in the in the postpartum period um for for people like obviously it's a huge transition to have a child have a baby and then throw on top of that that the mom is disconnected from the reality around her very terrifying for all parties involved right and and also one of the things that can really drive psychosis even for a healthy person too is like really dysregulated sleep right oh, and yeah. and you know parenthood especially in the early years is kind of characterized by really disorganized dysregulated disrupted sleep right mm -hmm. so i feel like yeah when we're talking about parenthood having new kids or having a new baby especially like some of these some of these themes could really hit home for somebody mm -hmm. especially if they'd ever experienced something like postpartum depression or something like that but yeah it's like it's just a creepy thought okay possess the mother to kill the child like it's a very very scary thing and it really turns the, the whole family exactly and it turns the whole family on their head because in the same way that reagan and chris had a great relationship like this mom was really sweet yeah. really nice really fun there wasn't a whole lot of heavy-handed disciplining of the kids that we <laughs> see or anything like any. that <laughs> right yeah exactly so i think that that is a, a super creepy theme for them to tease out and like that's bathsheba's whole thing like that's a really creepy thing mm -hmm. right and then soon after that like she's trying to kill her daughter with a pair of scissors yes but do you remember the part where they try to take her out of the house and all the all the crosses fall is that the same time no that she gets like as if there's saran wrap across the door she gets like stuck at the threshold and then yes but then her neck starts to get like an abrasion like there was a noose there and her face starts to like burn and then she gets dragged into the basement oh and this is a part that i that i feel like is so sad because as she's being like dragged she goes like roger and I just think it's it's sweet that there's a bunch of people present. There's like five guys there. You know, there's Lorraine and Ed and like the rest of the team. And they're all trying to help her. But instead of being like, help, help, she goes specifically asks, calls her husband's name. I think it, I think it's kind of sweet. But she's no like all, all fucked up. Her voice is like, ah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she's been through a lot. She's been through the ringer. And then she gets pulled into the creepy, creepy basement. Is that when they have her on the chair and tied up and all that it's stuff? Not they're trying to, but eventually they end up down in the basement. Yes, and I want to talk about one image that I was supposed to is it's sad, but it looks funny. Is when she's being like knocked into stuff, but it looks like she's just like being hung by her shirt, like Carolyn's being knocked into boxes. Do you remember that oh, part? Oh yeah. It looks pretty goofy. Okay, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were getting your timeline mixed up a bit. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna talk about when the eldest daughter gets her butt shot through, shot through like a, a window in a door. Oh, and then she gets dragged around by her hair. Yeah, yeah, she goes ass first. Yeah, she gets like shot and just like breaks a, a window with her butt, and then yeah, she gets thrown around. But yeah, that's right. Carolyn kind of gets jerked around too. Mm -hmm. They eventually get her tied up with a sheet over her head on the chair and that's when he's basically he starts the exorcism right yes even though he's technically he's not supposed to do it by himself yeah exactly he should have a father Karis by his yeah, side but he says fuck it i'll do it live yeah pretty much and he yeah. does it he called an audible for our sports fans yeah hey guys yeah he did uh he did a cool sports move a pro sports move and called an audible mm -hmm. and he's doing the exorcism and and it's a cool scene i thought when it gets like oh the, yes the yes. sheet gets a slit and yeah. you can see like 
you know, a corner of Bathsheba's face and she looks creepy as hell. And that it's like, okay, it's fully her and not Carolyn under True. there. That, I agree, that was a good move. And then uh, something happens, like, she levitates to break the chair. Yeah. And then she, like, skitters Scurries. away. I know, scary. I know. I was going to use the word skitters, too. Because Drew finds the girl on the floor. Yes. Right? Because she ran off. Yes, because he And then he's like, I found her, I found her. And then that Bathsheba takes that opportunity to, like, sk- like just scurry And she, away. like, grins and grabs the oh scissors and God. goes... And then, yeah, and then she's, like, crawling through the friggin' thing. Then we get a really cool scene from um, Ed... Where he like pokes his head through and he's like, Sheba, Sheba. Yeah. I banish you back to hell. Back to hell. That was sweet. I like Patrick Wilson. He's a cool guy. <laughs> well, okay. They, based on true events, you know, but they certainly sexified the Warrens. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Have you seen Lorraine Warren in real hey, well, life? You, you know, I She's... don't want to speak disparagingly Sorry, about anybody. Lorraine, you're no Vera Farmer. They, they made them a little younger. They made them quite striking and attractive. Yeah. But I mean, that's Hollywood, baby. That's showbiz. That's showbiz. But yeah, he that's a really cool scene. I just love the presentation, and I think it's such a cool line. But it doesn't really work. Is it a cool line because Bathsheba is a crazy name? True. Yeah. And I banish you back the, to hell. The delivery is good. And it, you know what it makes me think of? Um, Gandalf. Yeah. He's oh, like, yeah. Go back to the shadow. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. So that, but then she keeps going, right? Because it's eventually. And well, she, and then Lorraine is up yes, above. She's in the exactly. kitchen by then and she like touches her forehead. Oh, is that like a one two punch? Does yes. he say that and then that He's, distracts her and then yep. Lorraine grabs her head and she's and, like, and she's think like, of this your, is your daughter. She's like, think of your shitty family picture. Yeah. Think of the beach. Think about the beach. Think about the sand, all the sand. It gets, it everywhere. gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it. It's irritating. What does he say? And it gets everywhere. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Anakin Skywalker quote. <laughs> you, I thought you did. You no, said I knew irritating. we were referencing it, but I don't okay. know the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, I, it said, I think he says it's coarse and grating and it gets everywhere. Yeah. So that's what she conveys with one touch. Yeah. That's the clairvoyance. And that's what gets rid of Bathsheba. Good performance from Lily Taylor. Definitely. Because um, she is like horrifying in this part of the movie and she just... She looks terrible. She's screaming, crying, like she's obviously in such terrible distress as she's being like, I don't know, mind melded by Lorraine. So we really love The Conjuring. Like I yeah. said, I think talked about a lot of other movies. <laughs> yeah, but in in a way to say this movie is like this other good movie. Yeah, because like we said, it is a real grab bag of horror movie stuff, horror tropes, yeah, so things that. like that. But for me, like I said, I think it might have been where I was in that period of time. But I I wasn't super high on all the... I, I liked some movies from, like, the, the naughties and stuff in terms of horror. Definitely, I like plenty of them. But I wasn't always high on the direction that the genre always went in. And this was, like, threw it right back to the stuff that I really loved and kind of grew up with. So I thought it was like, this was like a movie that was missing from the catalog of the 1970s almost, (laughs) right? And it was a great throwback. So I I really like this movie. And it's nice to talk about, you know, modern or modern era type movies in the midst of some of the classics that we also like to talk about too, right? Yeah. So any final thoughts, favorite scene, uh, anything like that? What sticks with you about The Conjuring? Well, okay. Favorite scene just for for fun 
is um, the awesome song, The Moving In Day. The zombies, yep. Yep. And the favorite, like, scary scene is probably uh, is probably the clapping in the dark. Yeah, I think me too. I think although, you know, Bathsheba being up on that cabinet was probably the scariest, the clap right beside Carolyn's head. It's most, like, stylish or something. It's framed in a really cool way. Looks great. I didn't expect it at all when she lit that match. And it did scare the shit out of me. And it was a bit of a jump scare, but I just think it's a really cool image. It's just a really cool teeny tiny scene. And I think there's a reason that they used it in the trailer. Like it's just, it looks great. It's an effective scare because it's this like disembodied hands when you thought you were by yourself. It kind of taps into a lot of the horror tropes that really work and have stood the test of time. So, and I think that's kind of the thing that I most appreciate about this movie in general anyway. And like we said, we're not really connected to the Conjuring universe very much. No. You know, it was really The Conjuring that did it for us. And I don't think I followed up with too many of the movies that came after The Conjuring. But who knows? Maybe for the sake of this podcast, we'll be doing that in the future. Yeah, maybe we will. Well, that was our episode on The Conjuring. We thank you very much for joining us. If anyone would like to give us any feedback, you can reach out to us at thefearresponsepodcast at gmail.com. We'd appreciate any of your feedback. And also for any of you to give us five stars, whether you think we've earned it or not, I think it would just be fair. I think it would be the least you could do. Yeah, that's a good way to frame it too. Like what does it take a click of one hand or one mouse? Like it's not that hard. Yeah, just one mouse. So we'd also appreciate any feedback from people who maybe have uh, opinions, experiences in terms of mental health, the field of mental health. You know, Jenna and I are speaking from our own experience working in the field, and we are stating some of our opinions. We think that there are a lot of parallels between some of the things we see represented in horror movies and some mental health topics. And we kind of enjoy looking at some of those things through a mental health lens. But we're also not trying to speak from a place as if we're experts or anything like that. And and certainly people could have different opinions than us. Yeah, we certainly don't know it all. But if anyone has another perspective that they'd like to bring, we'd be very happy to hear those as well. So thanks, everybody. Thank Take you very care. much. You got to recover. You deserve a girl. Yeah, you deserve it, Bathsheba. <laughs> Sorry. One problem private. This is the haunted type. Hey, Sarge, tanks haunted. <laughs> you drew the short straw.